My name is Emily Anderson, and I'm here with Caitlin Sitterson on our podcast, Higher Education Chronicles, to discuss President Biden and his relationship to immigration and higher education. We'll be discussing Biden's talking points uh, during his run for the presidency, as far as reflecting on his actions from his first year in office, um, as well as comparing his uh, State of the Union speech in 2022 to the statements on his campaign website, just to kind of track the evolution of his um, perspectives and statements on immigration and higher ed. Immigration policies are some of the most impactful to people's daily lives, especially given the negative impacts of the Trump presidency. Holding President Biden accountable to his platforms is one way of mitigating the harm done by the Trump era. And I believe that holding political leaders accountable to the promises they themselves have made is an essential action as someone who is lucky enough to have citizenship status. So for now, I'm gonna throw it over to Caitlin to discuss the campaign promises and Biden's first 100 days. Thank you, Emily. Okay, so I'll be honest, the campaign promises are a lot. There was a lot here. Um, so looking at actually having access to his campaign website and looking at all of the um, things, and I apologize because I, there's no way I'm gonna be able to list every single one because that's how many promises there, there were in terms of immigration. Um, but I guess just kind of hitting on some of the high points, the main thing is that Joe Biden said that he really wanted to take a more um, common sense solutions approach to addressing immigration, I guess. Um, not really sure what that means, and it doesn't really say on his website, but um, that is what it says. So of the first 100 days, some of the talking points or some of the high points that he said he wanted to accomplish in the first 100 days was the first one to reverse the Trump administration policies that were separating families at the border, um, to end Trump's asylum policies, which were policies that would make it more difficult to seek asylum. Um, this also includes not allowing um, LGBTQ plus folks as a protected social group, which is um, an interesting take. Um, to end metering, which is a policy of limiting asylum applications daily. Um, he wanted to surge humanitarian resources to the border, so non-governmental aid using um, nonprofit organizations and the likes to build partnerships and send those organizations to the border. Um, let's see, to end prolonged detention, so essentially to create a case management system in which um, folks would not be detained for an extended amount of time at the border. Um, stop building the wall, which was a really, really popular or like at the top of the list, as well as ending the um, quote unquote Muslim ban that Trump had in place. He also said that he wanted to add more protections for dreamers and to improve the naturalization process for undocumented immigrants, although that was not necessarily clear as to how he would do it. Uh, I will be honest, Emily, there were so many more. Um, I mean, there were a lot. Like when you're on this webpage, I honestly was like, when will I stop scrolling? It is a very, very long website. But and then when you combine that with the, all of the public statements made and everything, everything that was said during debates, all of these things are, are technically promises that we need to hold our, our elected leaders accountable to. But when there's this many promises, it's just hard to keep track at some point. 
Yeah, it definitely, I mean, it definitely is. I'll be honest, like I read through all of this, but then trying to read through all of it and then go back to actually look at like the things that happened, like the executive orders or the things that happened in the first 100 days, it was like really messy. And I was trying to kind of like compare the list of um, like the 100 days promises versus the actual 100 days to see if like, okay, what could I have checked off from the list? I'll be honest, there were a few, but a lot, not trying to, um, you know, ruin any suspense that I'm creating for what happened during the hundred days, but it wasn't as much as was promised. <laughs> I can Absolutely. tell you that much. So if we're actually looking at the first 100 days, the, so there were a few things, let me, I have so many notes. Um, there were a few, he did have probably I would say like a list of 12 to 15. If you look at what happened within the first hundred days, like officially um, in terms of immigration, there were, there was like 10 to 15, you know, I guess instances where something was done or said about immigration. However, of those 10 to 15, six were actually ex executive orders. There were some like, like you were saying, there were some memos and proclamations, but they're more so just like taking an official stance on something as instead of like making something um, legal. So of the six executive orders, the first one um, was to rescind the executive order 13768, which was a Trump executive order, which called for the prompt removal of all undocumented immigrants and would take away funding for sanctuary uh, from sanctuary states. So this was probably like one of the most aggressive um, Trump era policies, which would call for the removal of all undocumented people, regardless of um, like mixed family status or anything like that. Although there was a, a caveat, I guess, in this executive order that Biden signed, which was to not necessarily call for the removal of three categories of folks, but I guess to call for the enforcement of removal of three categories of folks. And those were people who <clears throat> were accused or found guilty of terrorism or espionage, um, people who were actually apprehended at the border. So they would enforce the removal policy for folks apprehended at the border and folks who were released from incarceration after January 20th, 2021, um, who would have been convicted of aggregate aggravated felony or pose a public safety threat. I felt like that was kind of interesting because I think in a way like saying that you're going to call for the removal of people apprehended at the border, it seems very much still like you're still trying to, you know, like separate families. Um, and I think also when you talk about that, it's like, that's great in theory, but what is what does it look like in practice? Because we all know that like individual people have the potential to, you know, interpret the executive order differently or what, um, what, what is a risk to public safety? Right. Um, absolutely. That was kind of exactly what I was thinking. Um, the second um, executive order was to reverse Trump's attempt to exclude undocumented immigrants from the 2020 census. This is like a huge, huge thing because those were people who would not be counted towards population and not be counted towards voting, um, but there's still very much people who reside in the United States. So it's weird to, or just a strange attempt to silence or 
continue to keep a group of people voiceless. So that one was interesting. Yeah, um, especially <laughs> in terms of the census, it's it's um, in terms of voting rights, uh, allocating the correct number of representatives in the House. There are just so many aspects of it that um, everything gets uh, caught up. It's a vicious cycle there. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> the third was to create a task force um, to reunify families. So prior to his election or around the time of the, the election, I think it was said that they estimated that 5,500 families had been um, broken up or, yeah, broken up, I guess is the term for it, by the immigration policies. And so one thing that Biden wanted to do was to try to reunify these families. Although I thought it was really interesting and really disappointing that by May of his presidency, so the May of 2021, I guess only six, they only had six documented families had been. Um, Out of what was the total again? Of an estimated 5,500. And then it was oh. interesting because when they said six had been reunified, they said then, oh, there's an estimated 1,000 that still need to be reunified. So I was like, it went from 5,500 to 1,000 to now only six families have been reunified. That's not adding up. Well, and also what what is what hmm. does life look like for any of those six families right now? Um, so I guess according to, I will say that according to the website, um, according to his website, that the six were allowed, like those families were allowed to remain in the United States um, because I guess they had children who were, um, who had a legal status versus the undocumented parents. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That one was really yeah. Well, and it's like what they were allowed to stay, and and I I just feel like the the verbiage is just trying to give himself a lot of credit with that for six, and it just feels like if if this was somebody's like full time job, I mean, in my full time job, I'm expected to put in at least eight or nine hours a day. <laughs> right. So <laughs> and like I was like, this seems like a really interesting um, allocation of funds. And I don't really know, what, although I will say, I think there are some things to consider, which is like the number could be much higher or lower than we actually know because people are not, I mean, like there's a certain of level of expected and very well justified fear in terms of doing anything with the United States government if you well, were- Well, and when you have- like documentation is just like a really easy way to track people and undocumented <laughs> folks by definition tend to have less documentation and so it's just it tends to be harder to track especially like when different um administrations will have different um desires as far as what the outcomes of those look like um like I, I'm, I'm kind of comparing this to like when different cities do homeless counts and they'll do uh, a sweep for homeless folks on a day where there's a big sports game so uh, all the cops had kind of like shoved all of the homeless folks to the side anyway so the count was different like there's right. just different ways that you can manipulate those numbers based off of what your desired outcome is oh i mean absolutely for sure so that is something um to consider the fourth executive order 
was an effort to improve US the US immigration system um, in an effort to promote the integration um, and inclusion of undocumented immigrants. And I guess to broaden citizens like paths to citizenship. But again, um, I don't know, just kind of reading through, let me actually pull up the details of that one because that one was, I was very like, interested um and sound hesitant <laughs> yeah I mean I just feel like to me I'll be honest I was trying to find the actual wording but it's just kind of it's a lot of like we think this is gonna help but it's not actually like and it's like you're just creating task force I mean mm -hmm. I know what more what mm -hmm. more can you do in the first hundred days I don't know maybe I just have like this much bigger expectation um, or I would expect it to be way more clear of what does it mean when you're talking about making a clearer path to citizenship. For well, me, it I felt like it was really obvious when whenever Trump made a decision, what the what the impacts were going to be. Right. Like, and I just don't understand why it's so vague at this point. Yeah. Like, and I, I will absolutely agree with you. It's like, and I'm not, oh God, I'm not giving credit to Voldemort the man the president who shall not be named I'm not giving him any credit whatsoever but at least when he was like you know even something as like awful but when we talk about the Muslim ban it's like that he was like this is what I'm doing I am banning people from Muslim countries to the United States it's awful evil productivity is productivity so it's right, just it even though clear. like we just would expect an equal push the opposite direction and that's not what we're getting I want I think that's the thing that I need and I want is it's just clarity um but let me make sure I get the the other two so the fifth one was to the fifth executive order was to create a team to address the causes of migration and to manage migration I guess to kind of track like what causes people to migrate from place to place and to manage that um I'll be honest I just feel like that do we not know that already I don't know maybe that's me I feel like that's just something that you should know not something that you need to be talking about now but anyways neither here nor there and then the last one was to prepare for the impact of climate change on migration I feel like that one did not necessarily um it, that one was really not clear either but mm -hmm. I also would say that I think a lot of Joe Biden's stances on climate change and kind of like what are we going to do to solve that problem? Like many other politicians is very, like people just say climate change for the shock factor at this point. I don't think anyone's actually talking about like how to address it. Um, yeah, well, but, with the slow moving improvements to the asylum process, it's just like people are going to be climate refugees soon. Um, and so if we're like kind of working on developing this process, you know, it just, it's time to speed it up a little bit. Yeah, um, that one for sure. And in fact, that was the one thing that I don't really think was addressed was this, um, one of the main promises that I said, like that was mentioned in the first 100 days was, let me go back to it to make sure that I am correct, was to end Trump's asylum policies and to like improve upon those or just create 
you know, more positive policies, but that was not anywhere in here. Totally. Um, so that one was interesting, like nothing about the asylum process. But then I will say, and I don't already, I don't know if I already mentioned this, but there was a proclamation. I think one of the very first things that he did, yeah, actually January 20th was the proclamation on ending discriminatory bans on entry to the United States, which um, in effect ended the Muslim ban um, that Trump had in place. So there were I wonder what the difference between a, a, a proclamation, how, how that would go into effect in um, reversing an executive order like the Muslim ban was. I'm curious about that. Um, I'm sorry, what was that one more time? Well, just the, the proclamation versus um, an executive order. I'm just not sure what the um, impacts are like, especially because I know that the, the original thing was an executive order. So I just don't know if a proclamation is more of like a statement or if it's legally actionable. Um, let, let us see. Um, yeah, I mean, it says that a proclamation lifts certain restrictions. Okay. Um, I don't necessarily... Like, I'll be honest, it, it doesn't really say if there's- Yeah, absolutely. I was just curious if the if the language was something that was important. So the wild thing is, is that like another thing that happened, which was not an actual executive order, but was just like a statement also on January 20th. So if I'm not mistaken, that was inauguration day, correct? I believe so, yes. Or, you know, shortly thereafter, mm -hmm. um, was to preserve and fortify um, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, so DACA. Mm -hmm. But again, like- these things are just him telling people that his new cabinet members, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to preserve DACA and I want to fortify DACA because that was one thing that Trump was really, um, really focused on ending was like mm -hmm. ending DACA. Um, and there was like a huge pause um, from 2017 to 2020 on like applications or the applications that were processed, stuff like that. Every, everyone um, was just kind of left in a, in a limbo, in limbo state for no. Mm -hmm. But most of everything, I don't know, to me, I just feel like a lot of the executive orders just read as like, Joe Biden is going to tell the Department of Homeland Security to do this, but there's no actual, or, or that he wants them to do this, but there's no actual like, how is that going to be executed? Like, mm -hmm. what does that look like in execution? Like, I can tell someone to do something, but if I don't tell them how to do it or how I want it done, it feels like. I don't know. It it feels performative. Feels like a black square on Instagram. June second, twenty twenty, the worst <laughs> day on Instagram. Blackout Tuesday. Like, why does that even? Why is that even a hash? Yeah. Anyways, unrelated. I don't want to be. Upset. But it's all about like saying things for the sake of, of making a statement and talking about how he supports immigrants. Yeah, for sure. And then just wanting to say <laughs> that. And, and get credit. Absolutely. You are most definitely absolutely correct. Um, well, that, and that leads right into what he was talking about in his State of the Union speech um, when he brought up immigration. I'm actually just going to read a portion of this because um, I think the wording is really interesting here. Um, so th this is a, a quote again from the 2022. Um, it, it was happened in March, the State of the Union. And if we are to advance liberty and justice, we need to secure the border and fix the immigration system. We can do both. 
At our border, we've installed new technology like cutting edge scanners to better detect drug smuggling. We've set up joint patrols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. We're putting in place dedicated immigration judges so families fleeing persecution and violence can have their cases heard faster. We're securing commitments and supporting partners in South and Central America to host more refugees and secure their own borders. We can do all this while keeping lit the torch of liberty that has led many generations of immigrants to this land. My forefathers and so many of yours. Provide a pathway for citizenship to, for dreamers, those on temporary status, farm workers, and essential workers. Revise our laws so businesses have the workers they need and families don't wait decades to reunite. It's not only the right thing to do, it's the economically smart thing to do. That's why immigration reform is supported by everyone from labor unions to religious leaders to the US Chamber of Commerce. So I thought those statements were really interesting because I, I felt like it was sandwiched. So the beginning, you mentioned right away, securing borders. Um, and at the end, it was all about the economic prosperity about of, of keeping immigrants in the country. Um, and then the middle was just kind of like, oh yeah, and also like they should probably have a citizenship too. Um, so it just felt yeah. like they were walking a lot of it back. Um, and so, especially in comparison to what was listed on the campaign website, and um, especially given the kind of um, flippant nature of some of the executive orders, where it just feels like a lot of promises that can't be made, uh, the combination to me is what's appalling. Uh, 100%, even kind of going off of what you said, because I, I don't even know how I forgot. Um, one of the things, the very first, again, on January 20th, he endorsed the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021, which was, I guess, his commitment to, quote unquote, modernize the U.S. immigration system. Um, and this would include a lot of things. So essentially, like you were talking about um, citizenship. So this act would provide an eight-year pathway to citizenship for about 11 million undocumented immigrants. And then those who were in the United States before January 1st of 2021 would have been able to apply for a temporary lawful pr prospective immigrant status um, after five years. So also, it would reduce the residence requirement for naturalization from five years to three years. Um, it did change some of the language, like in terms of how we, um, I guess, name undocumented immigrants, so not referring to them as illegal aliens, which is a term that you heard so often um, in like Bush era presidency. I mean, even in Obama, but for sure, then back to that language in Trump to from that language shifting from illegal alien to non-citizen, um, which I think is super important. That's that's definitely something that's very important. So not just that, but basically it was just this all-encompassing act with many, many bullet points of all these things that were gonna happen. Um, although it was introduced in, and I'm looking at the Congress website for bills and um, acts. And it was introduced on into Congress on February 18, 2021. Um, and nothing has happened to it since April 28th of 2021. And oh, wow. it is literally April 28th of 2022. <laughs> what good time. Happy one year birthday. <laughs> one year. Yes. Yeah, so on April 28th, it was referred to the subcommittee on immigration and citizenship. Um, 
if I look at all actions, let's see what happens. This is a really handy dandy website. Yeah, there's literally no actions have been taken on it since April 28th, which don't get me wrong, based on the breadth and depth of this bill, I can imagine that it would take, I don't really know how, I know how Congress works, right? We all saw Schoolhouse Rock, like I'm just a (laughs) lonely veil sitting on Capitol Hill. I get it. But I also feel like there should have been some movement or some something because if we are, if we are to remember, if I'm not mistaken, this is a midterm election season, right? Like, are we not coming up on the potential for House seats and Senate seats to be flipped um, this November? So that's kind of disappointing because we're really getting to the halfway part of Mm -hmm. this presidency. Um, But we're actually at the halfway part and we're at the part where now like could be even more crucial, which is these midterm elections and the Senate and House seats that are up for grabs. You can have a president who wants to do things, but if you don't have the people behind you to get it done, it really doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah, the other thing that I noticed about the statement is that um, the, the beginning of the statement where he's talking about all of the things that they've accomplished, um, all of the accomplishments are, are surrounding, quote unquote, securing the border. So it's uh, the cutting edge scanners, it's the um, joint patrols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch human traffickers. Um, it's putting uh, more immigration judges into place, but also if there are... A lot more immigration judges like how are those people being vetted like the presence of more judges doesn't necessarily mean better justice um and so yeah i i it felt like a lot of the things that he was referencing um when he talked about providing a pathway to citizenship for dreamers and you just mentioned exactly what what would need to happen like the plan is there um and if you would put some pressure on in that arena versus putting pressure on in the in the arena of punishment um just seems like he would be able to keep a lot more of his promises oh I mean for sure and even like I mean this is the problem let me let, let me be careful this is I think this can be the problem when it comes to like I think we all need to be honest and most us I would say like liberals are honest that Joe Biden is not a liberal president right like Joe Biden is he was a Republican light moderate he was a moderate Republican or moderate I mean I mean, people would say he's a moderate Democrat but more like a left-leaning Republican um when he was a vice president and I think I hate to sound cynical but so many of the things that he did in his campaign like I'm going to have a black woman vice president. It's like, you didn't have to say that, just just give it to us, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to have, you know, and I appreciate that, the, that his cabinet is diverse, but are they really diverse in thought? Like, like are, we, are we just diverse on paper? Like you've checked, you know, race and ethnicity, but like, what do the people behind you believe? You know, not to say that like everyone in his cabinet is moderate or whatever, but the language, the way that he refers to immigration and the ways in which he makes policies regarding immigration, very much, I think, still uphold this, like, Trump-era ideal of, like, 
like we need to secure America because people who are migrating to America are criminals. Mm-hmm. Our people to our southern border are criminals. Like you're saying, like in terms of scanners and all of this stuff, like how much of that is is accurate? That's what I want to know. Yeah, if you're spending less than a minute talking about immigration and half of that time is is talking about crime, then you're conflating immigration with crime. And there's just no two ways about that. Yeah, so, I mean, that is frustrating um, to say the very least. Absolutely. Well, and it just seems like there's been a, an, an evolution of, of these statements. Um, the other thing that I'm thinking about as we're discussing this is, you know, he likely did not write his State of the Union speech, and he <laughs> most likely did not write the um, campaign the promises program. on his website. Um, however, just makes me wonder who was in charge of those statements because the language used is just so important. It's so important to be so careful with the word choice here and to be passionate about the word choice. And this speech doesn't feel passionate about creating a haven for immigrants in our country. And like that's, that's that sounded like that was the goal based off of the campaign promises on the website, but it does not sound like that's the goal based off of the State of the Union. So just I, I'm just wondering where, where kind of those disconnects are. And then the portion about immigration was really short, but the the portion on any kind of education was even shorter. And that was surprising to me given uh, Dr. Jill's like work with community colleges. I just felt like that was gonna be maybe more of a talking point. So um, let me read just a a brief segment from his speech um, talking about higher education. Um, The American Rescue Plan gave schools money to hire teachers and help students make up for lost learning. I urge every parent to make sure your school does just that. And we can all play a part, sign up to be a tutor or a mentor. Children were also struggling before the pandemic, bullying, violence, trauma, and the harms of social media. Then he goes on to say later, let's increase Pell Grants and increase our historic support of HBCUs and invest in what Jill, our first lady who teaches full-time, calls America's best kept secret, community colleges. So like those two short portions were the only portions in the entirety of his speech that were discussing education and the part on higher ed was was one sentence, especially when that's so um, important. It just, it's, it's important. And so it's just like, I don't know why that, that portion has to be so short. Um, I, I, part of the reason that this State of the Union was um, unique, however, was because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine happened um, like right before this. And so, um, they also did need to dedicate a portion of the time to that. However, it's the State of the Union and it's the president. So if you want to take an extra five minutes of the people's time, I feel like you can just do that, Um, especially in a point in time where you're describing acts of war. I feel like that's adjustments can be made there. So uh, to kind of wrap things up, um, I I think that there was definitely an evolution of the statements and promises that Joe Biden has made while he was campaigning through his first hundred days and then through the State of the Union. It seems like he uses immigration policy as a talking point, especially as a talking point during his campaign to get elected, using large portions of the presidential debates to discuss it, and then not spending nearly enough time during the State of the Union to bring light to that as well. 
Um, he's just treating people like pawns to get elected and then neglecting the population that he promised to help, which is um, perpetuating a long line of presidents who have done this same thing. Um, I think that Biden's immigration policies and his higher ed policies converge to create the political environment that undocumented students have to live with. And I don't think uh, there's enough emphasis on these on these the intersection of, the, of those two groups of policy. Oh, I mean, <clears throat> for sure, because I even was looking, I mean, not it's not nearly as long, but his educational, I guess, promises for the first hundred days or for his presidency are very much far, far, far longer than was actually done. Because in reality, the only thing that was done for higher ed, or truly, I mean, I guess education was um, the additional, let me make sure I have the amount right, the additional 36 billion that was um, given to colleges and universities, which was really just like pandemic relief funds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, had there not been a pandemic, had we not been in the in this world that we're living in, like what would have happened, even though he promised to, you know, give money to HBCUs and- um, Well, but he said there. increase our historic support. Does that mean give money? Because I'm sorry, increase our historic support because historically we have not supported them. So we wouldn't have to do much to- And then again, with the wording on, on invest in community colleges, do you mean like give community colleges more money or do you mean making them accessible? Like one of the things that you ran on was creating free college. Free community college, free community college for anyone and free public state college for anyone, for any family that made less than $125,000. Those were the promises for free college. Let's not even talk about the ways in which he promised to, you know, reduce and or cancel student debt. Although it was something that he physically said, it's not listed on his website, which I thought was very interesting. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, the reality is like, I don't know. I think I feel frustrated because education is just something that like we just like sort of say like, hey, let's fix it. Let's try to fix it. Let's do this. But we don't ever actually do anything to fix education. And then I think like that just continues to perpetuate this, this higher ed system that we have, which truly like was created to uphold white supremacy. And then what's happening is it's just continuing to uphold white supremacy now in 2022. And we're not doing anything to actually make it more accessible for any student. So like you're saying, absolutely we're not increasing the access to, hi to higher ed or to education at all. And then that intersection of, of that versus undocumented students just trying to access college or university at all, it's such a very, it's such a very interesting intersection to live in, um, for sure. Yeah, with that, the campaign promise of um, free community college, because it's just a campaign promise and not like a drafted bill that's that we know of that's being publicized we we don't know if if that would be offered to undocumented folks or not and so exactly. like and that's, that's and that's i think that's the problem and i i don't mean to cut you off but that's just so that's what's even more frustrating because it's like we have um and i feel like this is a conversation that i've had often is we have so much work to do in higher ed to just increase access in general it feels like we're so far behind in education 
Um, and don't get me wrong, immigration policy is super, super far behind too, but it just makes me worry for um, undocumented students because I like, I feel like we have to even catch up to higher ed to increase mm -hmm. access to people who, you know, are documented, like, and then we have to go even, even further. And I just don't think that that's a conversation that's being had. I don't think that. Well, and then I think about the four-year colleges and universities are intended to be completed in four years. And that's not a lot of time, like in, in terms of politics, that's not a lot of time for changes to happen. Um, and so just like leaving people with unanswered questions for the entire time that they're attending a university just seems ridiculous to me. Very, very much so. I have learned throughout this master's program and just throughout my 27 years of life that I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I just live in a perpetual state of disappointment with political leaders and officials. I think to end on as positive of, of a note as we can possibly get to. I'm so sorry, um, I ruined. <laughs> no, I mean, we can't talk about Biden's immigration policies without getting upset, um, but it's just a reminder that, that we do, um, those who have the privilege to vote are able to represent our voices using that vote. Yes. Um, so if you are eligible to vote, if you're able to do so, please do so, so that we can keep holding our elected leaders accountable to the promises that they're making so that Put the words are- Put pressure on these people. Put pressure on, on local, on city, state. Put pressure on all of these people because um yeah people absolutely should be held accountable for the promises that they make especially when when you your job was given to you by me like <laughs> you're we welcome we collectively hired you and so we can fire you too right it, right if i'm not doing my job my boss would be like caitlin what's going on mm -hmm. come on if you're not doing your job we just have to watch it for another three years mm -hmm. absolutely well, that's all from Caitlin and I with the Higher Education Chronicles podcast. Have a great spring. Wonderful. See you later.